0: So hello again, everyone. Um, Trent here, excited to be joined uh, today with Allison McMorty and then Zach over from Salad. Um, Allison, I've known for almost two years now, which is crazy to think. Um, I met her while she was working in media Man. over at Huge. Yeah, crazy how time flies, right? Um, and uh, you know, she's over now in London, over at UM, uh, director of media over there, and wanted to chat with her and learn more about her background, her experiences, and talk with her about the media and the advertising space today. So Allison, excited to have you. And thanks again for doing it with us.
1: Excited to be here. Yeah. Thanks so much for reaching out. And it's crazy. I can't believe we've known each other for a couple of years. I feel like it's been so long since you first reached out, but yeah, yeah. It's impressive to see how far you've come since we first started chatting.
0: Oh, all. thank you. <laughs> Likewise. I mean, you're in London now, which is crazy. It's exciting. Um, I think kind of to to start out, I'd love to hear um, kind of what your path was to where you're at now and kind of how you've been enjoying London so far as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess there's two sides of it, my path to London and my path to UM. Right. So um, London has like kind of been a dream of mine since I studied abroad my junior year of college. Oh, nice. Um, I've really enjoyed my time in Europe and I imagined what it would be like to be in Europe and also have an income. So (laughs) (laughs) it's been kind of my long-term goal for a while. Um, And then kind of the stars aligned for me. I was in a position at Huge and I was having a great time and up for promotion, but no roles for my new, my next step were available since we were in a pretty small department um and it kind of became a conversation with my boss it was like hey no positions available huge but we're part of ipg media brands happy to support you in a rotation to um or initiative in herald square here in new york and i was like what about instead of new york we looked at
2: london so <laughs> that's awesome it
1: worked out and we made it happen and yeah i was i was really happy that my whole team was so supportive and it was able to happen within about like six six months or so from when I first brought it up with him. So yeah, yeah. Seems like it moved really fast, so
0: (laughs) it was was great. That's awesome. And so (laughs) you were at um, Huge before and then weren't you at Sapient and you interned at GSDM as well, right? What was kind of that agency path you took?
1: Yeah, so at GSDM in Austin is really what kicked me off into media. started with my first internship there my summer after my sophomore year at University of Texas. Um, it was my first true view into media, media planning, um, media buying, all of that. And it was, it was really fun. I worked on a bunch of great accounts. I think it was on like a children's toy brand, a jewelry brand, and then like a government brand. So it was like a really interesting mix. Uh, and I was given a lot of really fun projects, Um, but GSCM was just a really great culture. Everybody there feels like a second family to each other, super supportive. They put on a lot of fun events, really just a great uh, advertising agency to start out in. And then from there, I had various other internships, but ultimately after graduation, ended up in New York at what was then known as Razorfish, I believe now, is publicist. Um, So went over to Razorfish because I really loved the digital aspect of my internships throughout okay. college. Um, I liked being able to have a handle on how quickly things could go live into market and how much integration I could have with campaign planning. So um, I also knew it was kind of where advertising was headed. So I thought it digitally a good place to start out. So that's why I specifically looked to get a role with Razorfish, digital only agency. Um, But they did still have that full suite of services similar to GSDM. So they had creative and design, um, everything outside of media also. So it kept me kind of ingrained in massive client initiatives rather than media only partnership with clients. that was really fun at um, Razorfish. I was there in so many different ways. I worked on um, paid social, paid search. I worked on direct publisher direct campaigns. I worked on full funnel campaigns, just really a grand gamut of digital. Um, so I, I learned quite a bit from that, that stint there. So um, from there, I kind of, I got to know the, Full funnel again, as I said, and understand that um, once you get down to the DR, like the direct response aspect of digital advertising, it's really interesting to see how directly you can influence your client's business goals. Right. So that's kind of where I ran with things. So I moved over to huge after that. Worked on a campaign that actually ended up being very awareness focused. It was the launch of a new brand. So that was really cool, really fun, and also included traditional nice. channels. Um, so really great learning experience there. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I moved on to a smaller client, again, that was digital focused and performance driven. So got back to my digital roots, got back to my performance. Love, I guess, love performance performance and then that <laughs> role is what got me to where i am now as a director of performance at um so it's been a journey but i yeah it's been really interesting to learn along the way and see all different aspects of the campaign through and it's it's been a lot of fun
3: that's awesome <laughs> very cool to hear about <laughs> that's so interesting too seriously um Personally, I've got a question for you about what it's been like working in three different markets, uh, specifically in between two different countries as well. Have you noticed any big differences between the two and what's that sort of been like?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think so between Austin, New York and London, the big difference is the size of each market. So Austin, obviously, smallest market there, Um, the Clients were still pretty big. They were still national clients, but they they definitely were smaller than the clients that I saw in New York. Most of my clients in New York were pretty massive financial brands. Um, so they had really, they just had money to blow. It was <laughs> <laughs>
2: it
1: was a lot of fun. We did a lot of really awesome <laughs> branding experience campaigns. We did um, just really great sponsorships and publisher direct things. Not to say that that couldn't be done with the clients that I worked on in Austin, but it was just at a massive scale. So that was really, really fun Um, in comparison, New York to Austin. Um, And now that I'm in London, it's interesting too, because you think London is such a massive market, but yeah, it's big, but the UK as a country, is very small. Um, I'd say my numbers are probably Mm -hmm. not fully accurate here, but the US overall adult population is something like 300 Uh million. And then the UK is like 60 million oh, wow. or something. So it's it's massively nice. different in terms of how many people there are for you to hit as a brand, even if you're a brand that's going after every adult in the country, there's so many less people here. So budgets don't have to be as big um, and you can still hit quite a few people. I remember joining my team my first week, I was asking, oh, what's what's our like annual budget for this client? What about this one? What are our CPMs looking like? Just trying to get a feel yeah. of the market. And they seem so proud of the different numbers mm-hmm. they're saying about how big their budgets are. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how compared to my clients in New York? It's so crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a different perspective. Less people
3: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, going off of that too, I guess I'm a little bit curious then. Are most of your... Uh, Are most of the campaigns you're building focused specifically on the UK, then and in London, as opposed to more like worldwide or nation or uh, uh, countrywide or continent wide, even?
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, it varies. So, I'm on the main client that I'm on is mostly UK, but also does have a global footprint. And I have been working with the US team, ironically, the New York team pretty consistently. So, um, I'm not leading any of that planning just yet, but for example, we have podcasting that is live for the UK that was also live in the US, and they were so pleased with the performance of the podcasting done by the UK team that they've requested them to run podcasting for the US. So some of my team is now running a global campaign in that respect, but um, the beauty of UM is that we are such a global global agency that we have teams on the ground in every different market. So, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: for example, one of my clients has a really big presence in Australia. So while we could plan the media for Australia, UM Australia is really taking the lead there. So, um, Mm -hmm. it's been interesting to work cross, um, cross agency in a sense. So agency to agency globally, Um, and uh, again, Another client, these are all, <laughs> <in my head. laughs> but another client is in uh, Malta, I, I think. So it's I was just on the phone with them today. I was like, Where is yeah, Malta? I don't know. I was. <laughs> <in> <laughs> <bottom> <laughs> <of that.
2: laughs>
1: just, it's as if Italy kicked it away. It's um, right oh, off okay. the
2: coast. <laughs> of <boot>, so,
1: um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's definitely been interesting to work more globally um, in the sense of. For the clients, for the agencies, and for the strategy.
3: Mm-hmm. All right, switching gears a little bit. That's, that's fascinating. But now to get a little bit more into... Uh specific stuff that you do in your role and, and how things are changing. Uh, data limitation and data regulation is, is obviously a hot topic right now. We've got brands like Apple really pushing hard to uh, protect privacy of their users and so on and so forth. And a lot of regulations are cracking down uh, worldwide, even at this point. How has that affected your job and your day-to-day work?
1: Um, Yeah, so data privacy, I think everybody is all revved up about it, uh, especially over here with GDPR. Um, Everybody at first Mm -hmm. is like, oh no, what are they going to do to all of our cookies? (laughs) Where's all of our data going? How are we going to reach our audiences? Kind of running in circles with like the ceilings on fire. But I think what (laughs) has actually been great about it is it's helping us take a step back and remember that the consumer is the forefront of advertising and the consumer should be leading the way that we're speaking with them. So if they don't feel comfortable with us reaching out to them without their consent, then we shouldn't be. So I think it's, it's been a really great reset, Mm -hmm. especially with digital becoming so big and really coming into the forefront, especially performance media, as much as I love performance media, and I'm uh, working in programmatic day to day. It's, It's really great to have that rewind and think, okay, yes, we can figure out exactly who our target audience is. We can upload our client CRM list. We can model it out and know what our ideal customer looks like and go and find them and target them wherever they are in their digital day. But is that really the right way that we Mm -hmm. should be building relationships as brands with consumers? I don't think so. I think it's more, We want to be there if people are receptive to listening to us. We want to build a relationship that's meaningful surrounding moments that matter. We don't want to just have a side banner on some random average, some random website that our consumer happens to be on. Um, So I think it's really actually good in the long run. It's building stronger conversations, building better connections with our, um, with our audiences. And while it is a challenge, I think it's, it's, in the long run, helpful
3: for everyone. That's a very interesting perspective, too. I've never really uh, thought that deeply into it, obviously, because I'm not in the media department, but you're so (laughs) correct. (laughs) That's 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 such a great way to put it. And I think you're right that it is a nice restart button. And it's going to be a it's going to make for a very exciting future as we all try and navigate this this together and see where it goes. Uh, With that being said, Now that we're starting to see these changes, what do you think the ideal campaign planning process uh, looks like in the media department now in today's landscape? So
1: data aside, I think it really comes down to uh, timelines and alignment between teams because like it or not, media is, it involves so many people. It involves The clients, the media team, the strategy team, if they happen to be separate, the planners, the buyers, the analytics team, the ad operations team, it's it's so many people. So when you start to plan for a campaign, Mm -hmm. you really have to have a good timeline in place. I've I've had many times clients come to me and they've said, okay, we want to do this brand new campaign for this brand new thing that we're doing and we have this budget and we want to hit this person and we want it to launch next week it's like no sorry if you want us to be strategic if you want to make sure that everything's in place that we can measure the effectiveness of the campaign everything is running properly so we know that our ads aren't going to break as people are clicking on them um, we have to make sure that we have enough time to get all the Right. right people involved and while especially digital can be such a quick, moving, fast turnaround kind of environment, we still need to take a step back and make sure that we're doing everything um, with the success of the campaign in mind rather than as fast as possible turning it around. Um, so that that would be my first ideal campaign planning would be to have time to do it um, and making sure that everybody is on the same page um, and that the clients fill out a brief. I think a lot of times, Client relationships with agencies are so informal that they're like, hey, this is what's going on. Can you put something together? Whereas if they had filled out a full brief that had all the little details that maybe they wouldn't think to tell us or we maybe wouldn't think to ask at the time, if they have all those details given to us in a brief, we can really make an effective campaign for them rather than just it on-the-fly. Yeah. Kind of campaign so i i think that's my ideal planning process mm-hmm. um there's so many more things that go into it beyond the brief and the timelines but that's like the core thing to have the success that you want to see in a campaign
0: right and i'm curious too because i mean you mentioned how you've worked at uh, a couple different full service mm-hmm. agencies and kind of from the internship uh, internships i've had too i've seen where kind of different agencies have their own processes for when media gets involved. And I'm, I'm curious too, like, do you prefer media to be involved even when, you know, creative is brainstorming for a campaign to kind of figure out what they want to do? Or do you prefer, you know, that way you can say like, oh, we could do this media buy to implement this idea? Or do you kind of prefer to have kind of the creative and the strategy aligned before, so then you can take it and kind of package it into a campaign, like which, which is your preference there?
1: I think the first one, you exactly had it. It's definitely keep us involved. I mean, a lot of the times we are the leaders of the strategy of the campaigns being run. So if we have the strong relationships with the client and a strong relationship with creative or design or SEO or whoever else is having these conversations, it's helpful for us to stay involved in what's being communicated by all parties so we can keep the strategy at the forefront of all the client work. And we're not coming in last minute and just packaging up something beautiful. It's more at the beginning. We can, to your point, influence maybe what media placements will be used based on different creative ideas that they're talking about. Um, one of the clients I worked on at Huge was actually really great to have every service that Huge offered for clients involved with our team. So uh, we helped, I believe helped help did the, excuse me, Huge did the branding and, the design and the naming of the initial product, which was very, very cool. And then
2: yeah, that's from awesome. there, we
1: took it. Yeah, it was, it was a really great piece of work um, to be on. And then from from the branding, we took that into a, a massive launch media campaign, partnering really, really closely with the creative team. And I remember being in the room with them and they're ideating and coming up with different, different routes they could go down for creative concepts and it was really fun to be a part of first of all so please keep me yeah. involved with those
2: fun things <laughs>
1: but <laughs> Always worth it was it, also yeah. yeah it was also it was great to be able to chip in different um hmm. notes like hey if we did this concept we could do this really cool placement in Times square if we did this concept we could do this gorilla marketing thing or if we did this so I think it helped keep the creative juices flowing too, being able to visualize where their different ideas can come to life with media.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is kind of on a similar note, but um, you know, as far as media buys go, I feel like we've seen like a lot of really interesting, innovative stuff done with Out of Home recently too. I remember in Europe, there was, a, I think, an airline in France that took advantage of the fact that the uh, unused billboards during the holidays were the same were like covered as the same color as their brand logo. So they did a campaign around that. And we've seen other kind of cool out of home activations. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, what do you think the like future of out of home looks like, especially with how often people will share stuff on their social media and, and, you know, how often like billboards can kind of be used in like unique ways uh, recently, it seems. Yeah. Um.
1: So I'm right on the same page. I think out of home is such a great medium it's so malleable you can really do whatever you want with it Um, I was actually out to dinner this past weekend with some friends and they were talking about an out of home campaign that really caught their eye and I was like wait send me the picture that sounds amazing basically there's this brand here in the UK it's like a soft drink brand called Oasis and they have this campaign that's like hashtag no more Oasis ads um, so it was just like this massive billboard in the tube that just has all—it's like red and it has all this white text on it, and it's just saying, "You know, we know you don't want us to advertise to you anymore. So let's do each other a favor. You keep buying Oasis, we'll stop advertising." And it—it it, <laughs>
2: it was so
1: funny to me because honestly, yeah, that's that's what it is. Clients are just trying to make. They're trying to meet their business (laughs) goals. They're trying to make the sales that they need to make in order to make the revenue that their goals are for the year. And that's what advertising is doing for them. So if people are buying their products, they're reaching those sales goals and they don't really need to advertise anymore. I mean, most advertisers are always going to advertise no matter what, but it's such a fun (laughs) concept. It's kind of making it... It's pithy, you know, it's people are, they enjoy the the honesty out of it, I think. So that's more of a messaging than than a format play, I think. But um, out of home, just, it sparks conversations. You're out with your friends or you're out walking around and you see it. And you have time to think about it more than when you're, sometimes like, even when you're online, display ads are, they're hard. They're hard to really catch people's eye and catch people's attention. So I I love out of home personally. It's going to be interesting to see what other creative agencies do with it and how they make it into a more fun format.
0: Yeah. That's a kind of a really cool example. I'm, it's kind of like a, like a very meta, like paywall for life, where it's like, instead yeah. of paying for Netflix, so you don't get ads. It's buy the product. So you don't see our ad. And exactly. <laughs> um, and this, you kind of brought up an interesting point too, about how they spark conversations. And I'm curious, cause like, I was thinking about this when I just got back from New York and this is kind of random, but I'm curious for your thoughts on it. Like being in New York city, where it's such a walking city and you go in the subway and there's all these ads and you see all these ads in traffic and while you're walking around, I feel like people get so much more time to interact with that at home and then coming back to Arizona where it's just it's a commuter city everyone's driving you go by these billboards so fast like do you think kind of like the environment people in it like impacts how they're able to view and like take in out of home ads and do you think that like do you factor that in when you're doing like an out of home campaign like for certain cities or I was just curious for your thoughts on that because that kind of popped into my head.
1: Yeah, definitely. So with out of home, it's really exactly, you've got it on the, on the nose. It's, it's market driven. So um, for example, one of the campaigns that I ran, we did out of home in six key markets. Um, I think okay. we only chose markets that out of home had a really big presence. There are markets that were definitely better for our client in terms of more of their potential customers were there. Um, they had more backing from their their different entities present, um, but there just really weren't any out-of-home opportunities. Um, for example, yeah, Arizona, Texas, they their driver markets, you know, they, they'll have maybe highway billboards, but that's sometimes it. Versus New York, you have yeah. your massive digital billboards throughout Manhattan, yeah. you have your... Phone kiosks, <laughs> your bus shelters, you can wrap up bus itself. There's so many different ways you can have out of home that people will actually see and notice and talk about, versus those driver markets. So uh, most times, I would say, um, dependent on the advertiser itself too. But if you're trying to spark conversation, a lot of times it's just not really done in those driver markets. In terms of interaction too, I yeah. know um, I did work on a fast food brand. Back at GSDM, and they did billboards just all over the country. So it, it really also depends. Yeah. Like they were saying, hey, exit now to go to this restaurant versus another brand like a financial oh, right. services product. Maybe mm-hmm. when try to have a conversation with their consumers while they're driving.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, And I'm curious too, like we've talked about media and how it's been changing. And I'm just curious for your thoughts as someone who's worked in media for for a while now and has gotten great experience in it, what do you think is like the most important thing like people outside of the media department uh, should know about media, especially when they're working with it um, in an agency setting?
1: Sure, yeah, I think it kind of goes back to the conversation around creative. It's just knowing that the media team is a lot of times at the forefront of this strategic conversation with clients. I think if you're working in an agency and you're not working on a client that is running media out of the agency, they're they're likely running media out of some agency. So it is good to know the strategy that's happening behind the scenes for all the other work being done. Um, I think knowing that the media team is so ingrained with the client's business objectives and knowing that they're controlling like the money against how the ads are actually going to be seen by the world is it's helpful context to know that they're they're valuable team members to keep involved along the way
0: yeah absolutely no it's a good good point to bring up because i think too often people can kind of forget about that but really media is at the kind of the start of it um like you were just saying so that was a good point to bring up
1: yeah and there's there's definitely there's definitely teams that have that maybe (laughs) don't do media and they still have the strategic department or sometimes they call them the planning department that is just making sure that all work ties back to client goals and business Mm -hmm. objectives but so many times that team is the media that they work very closely hand in hand
0: yeah it's funny even like you mentioned working across agencies even at mother when i was there last summer you know i think uh densu was the media buyer for the account i was on but they were in the process in meetings with us from the beginning too when we were thinking of creative. So it
3: goes to show how effective that can be if they're working side by side from the start. Definitely. All right, I'm gonna switch up gears on you a little bit. Uh, more of a fun question now as we're taking this next <laughs> step. Um, you kind of touched on on out of home and and how much you enjoy out of home. Is that your favorite type of media? Uh, the question is, is more along the lines of what's your favorite type of media both to place and then also to view ads in. We like to see that contrast between the two and if it's the same or not.
1: So I'll, I'll answer the to place one because I think okay. that's a more fun answer <laughs> first. Um, I did <laughs> one campaign where I got to um, run a South by Southwest. What was that? Yeah, South by Southwest event, basically for free. Um, a lot of times with media, what you that's do awesome. is you you buy a campaign and then they bake in the cost of something additional as added value. So maybe your CPMs for your banners are a little bit higher than they would normally be, but then you quote unquote get this free event or free takeover on their website or whatever it is, just added value media. Yeah. And for my, the launch campaign that I ran for this FinTech brand, we did a, a, added value South by Southwest concert, two night concert. And it was so cool. Um, and being from Austin, I was so stoked about it. I went to it. I was excited to see my branding all over the place. This is another place where we worked really closely with the creative team because it was negotiating the media plan and negotiating the different elements of the event that would be branded for our client versus for the the publisher that was putting it on soundcloud um and then also finding the right way to get creative involved so that they would be in all of the right places so anyway that was mm-hmm. my favorite thing to work on right. um, doing the kind of like mix of media planning and event planning it was, it was really cool um yeah <laughs> That's yeah awesome. um and i learned about some new whole dance through it. So like, who doesn't want to do that? (laughs)
0: Hey, there you go. (laughs) There's an added value as well there. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Um, But in terms of Uh, viewing ads, yeah, you've got it. I love out of home. Um, But specifically, my favorite is public transportation. Um, Having lived in a couple commuter cities now, I I really have an appreciation for it more than anything. Mm Um, there's a point in time in New York where my commute could be as long as an hour sometimes and I'd be on the subway just sitting there, maybe reading, maybe listening to a podcast. Yeah. But a lot of times just like sitting and staring, and it was so nice to have these ads to look at rather than the person across the the yes. subway car from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think a lot of times people appreciate <laughs> exactly. and I think there are stats on this that People appreciate public transportation ads as a way to not feel awkward and something to think about and something to look at rather than just a bare wall mm-hmm.
3: or
1: some guy's head
3: and in front for of me, yeah. uh, I, I grew up in Arizona and I've spent the majority of my life here. Uh, and when I went out and interned in New York, that was kind of my first time being in a place that was a commuter city. And it was sort of my first time getting to experience all of the different ways that you can place ads out of home in the city. And I I specifically remember it was for away, the luggage brand. I specifically remember walking onto mm-hmm. the subway, one of like my I think it was my first weekend in mm-hmm. the city and just seeing the entire uh, the entire subway car just totally decked out in all these away ads and and getting to read them and and just be in that environment was was really interesting and so different for me, but definitely also one of the coolest experiences that I had when I was there, as someone who's working in the industry, because the ads are a yeah. little bit more uh, creative generally, and, and as a writer, to like getting to read the copy on them, which was generally very good, was was just awesome.
1: Yeah, the fintech launch I did actually the subway takeover for the meatpacking station, um, and I geeked out when oh, it launched, nice. and I went and like took videos of the hallway where. <laughs> Is, yeah, there's is a lot of fun. but I, I will admit, also not only I enjoy advertising, I'm completely susceptible. I bought an away suitcase before <laughs> my move to London. <laughs> and I think it was because of all of the bags that you saw.
3: <laughs> yes, I haven't bought one yet, but I still remember them and I'm probably going to soon. And it is because of that, 100%. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm getting them on Instagram now
0: too, so I've also been hooked. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh man, Um, yeah, far and away exceeding uh, with their ads there. Um, But uh, a question for you too, Allison. This is something you've helped me out a a lot too, and you know, part of the podcast. uh, The reason we do it is to try and like bring insights and perspectives to students and young professionals who maybe don't otherwise get to hear them. And I'm I'm curious kind of what advice you would have for students who are looking to enter this industry. Um, you know, and what's also alongside of that, what's something that you now know that you wish you knew when you were starting out in advertising?
1: Oh man. Yeah. So many, so many things come to mind. I think it's, it's fun to look back (laughs) to where I was when I started out because like I said, I, I started working out working on uh, paid social campaigns and then paid search campaigns. And I all, all along the way, I was like, Oh, this isn't really what I want to do. I want to do more display and I want to do media planning, not just like siloed into one specialty. And
2: I right. kind of mm-hmm. was
1: upset about it, but looking back, I'm so glad that I did those things because it gave me a different perspective and a better holistic view. So I think my first piece of advice is if you don't get the job that you you think is your dream job or you get a job and it doesn't end up being what they initially said it might be. Don't really worry about it. Mm-hmm. Think of it as an opportunity to learn and an opportunity to set you apart from the competition down the road, because honestly having that PPC experience on my resume really helped me with getting different performance jobs and getting noticed down the line. People would see that I had rotations in different disciplines on my resume and ask about it and learn that I really understood the more holistic digital picture. And it ended up being such a great thing that happened. Um, So that, that would be my first thing is don't get so hung up on the fact that your first job is going to be your job forever. You can move around and it's great to have that additional experience. Um, And then the one other thing that I do want to say, and this is one that I have been thinking about a lot is just don't, Be afraid to make mistakes. When you're a junior in the industry and you're just starting out, honestly, any industry, but I'd say especially a technical um, position like media and advertising, don't be afraid to make mistakes because the more mistakes you make, the more you learn and the more the learnings stick with you. You don't really understand why things are done the way that they're done until you're corrected and maybe even embarrassed. And then you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm never going to do it that way again. And I know why I need to do it this way. So oh. it's, I think making mistakes is a good thing for your whole career in advertising. And I think it's such a human industry too, that people expect it. And it's, it's nothing to be afraid of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I that's a great point. I think I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I think one of my favorite like quotes is from David Kennedy uh when he did his like fail harder wall over at Wyden and he went I don't know if you've heard about it before, but he went and essentially made a a piece of art to hang in their office that said fail harder with a mm-hmm. bunch of pushpins. And instead of like making it so the push pins spelled out the letters, he made this giant rectangle with push pins and then left the negative space to show the letters so that's it said cool. fail harder. So it's like a lot more work than necessarily needed, but like the kind of the message behind it was sometimes you're gonna mess up and you're gonna do a lot more work than you intended, but like the journey and the effort you put into that helps you learn and improve and get better for the next time around. And, you know, don't be afraid to mess up cause you'll grow from it. I think that kind of echoes uh, what you were saying as well. And I think that's so important cause you know, it, it it is like big campaigns. There's a lot of money at stake. Um, but at the same time it is, you know, it is a job you can mess up, you can learn, you can grow from it. And you know, it's supposed to be something that you enjoy as well. And if you're too stressed out about making the mistakes, you won't be able to grow and enjoy kind of looking back on it and enjoy the present. So I think that was a great point yeah. you brought up.
3: Yeah. Having that freedom is is special and it and it really does help you step out of your shell and and just try things and th- and that is how you're going to learn best is is by trying and by doing as opposed to by worrying the yeah, whole time. Yeah, I
2: totally agree. Uh, one final
3: question for you. Uh, we like to ask this as kind of the sign off question to everyone to to see what they're consuming in the media world. So what is your favorite piece of media, whether it's video, book, any sort of content? What are you listening to? What are you reading uh, that you would like to share with us and with the audience before we check off?
1: Yeah, so I am as as we all know, I'm going through a huge change right now I right. Been here for a month. It's just it's really been. A big change. I, I thought it would be easy, but it, it's been harder than I expected. It's gotten a lot better for sure, but um, yeah. my first few days here, I was still watching all of my downloaded Netflix content that I had prepped for my flight.
0: <laughs> so my
1: my yeah my evenings and my yeah. Airbnb, how long was the flight actually? It was. Um, I think it was like eight hours. So it really wasn't that long. And it was a red eye. So I stuck for most of it. So I think I like really downloaded it on my Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I was watching some of it on my first few nights in London. um, Lonely in my Airbnb. um, And there's one piece of content that really stuck out to me and was actually the best time to have ever watched it. Um, There's a Netflix special from Brené Brown called The Call to Courage. Um, Brené Brown, okay. I'd actually read one of her books recently. She's kind of a self-help author. Uh, but when I saw her name on a Netflix special like this, is was going to be good. Downloaded it, I think maybe 15 minutes into it, it had me just fully in tears and in like a healthy, good way too.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But
1: um, yeah, it really resonated That's with awesome. me. And the one quote that um, I'll say to get Listeners hooked and want to go watch it themselves. Yeah. It's around courage. So um, the quote is It's a decision that you make before you get out of bed every day. Today, I'm going to choose courage over comfort. Um, So that that. really struck a chord with me because every day of my first few days here in London, I was like, Oh, I have to get out in the rain again and I have to to find a place to live. And (laughs) <laughs> my bearings and everything and it was really draining but it was a choice that i've made because courage yeah. is really what brings the light into your life and what brings the new experiences changes perspectives and helps you find the great things about life mm-hmm. versus comfort you just kind of get stuck in a rut and you're doing the same thing so i thought it was it was a great special and i would echo brene brown and say that Choose courage over comfort every day in your job, in your personal life, whatever it is, and it'll bring you a lot more happiness than if you just kept doing what you were doing.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point. I love that, and especially relevant for myself as well, as I'm moving out to LA in like four days now, which is crazy. <laughs> um,
1: oh my gosh!
0: Yeah, it's so like that's a good point because I think about that too, like you know, there, there's the comfort of staying with what, you know, in Arizona and like what I've grown up in versus putting myself out there in another new city and trying to learn the ropes again. And, you know, but it's, it's worth it in the end because you're doing it for something that you love and, you know, you grow because of it and you enjoy it. So I think that's a a great point to, to bring up. Um, have you, have you found a place yet or how's that search going? Are you still in the Airbnb? I have, I
1: found a place. I, uh
0: Okay, I cool was that's a awesome. true New
1: Yorker, as my Airbnb host put it, because the day I arrived, <laughs> I had three listings booked to go and see.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the hustle yeah, never stops. Yeah. You, like,
1: <laughs> ask a friend, nice. He asked his friend, he like, okay, she just got here, but she's already gone. She seems jet lagged, but she said she has three places to go look at. Like, that's so weird. And they're like, oh no, she's from New York. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, cool. I,
1: I've found a place. I'm um, definitely happy in it, and I think the value for your for your money is a little bit better here in London than it it was in New York in terms of housing. So that's been fun. Okay, that, that's
0: good to hear too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't live in a shoebox anymore. So that's good great. to
0: know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad things are starting to get settled in there, even if it's a little bit crazy with the move and kind of adjusting to a new city. Yeah, um, right. you know, I want to say thank you again, Allison, for for coming on and talking with us. It was great, great again to talk with you again and having you meet Zach as well and share kind of what you've found to be uh, true throughout your career with all the people listening. So, you know, thank you for that.
1: Of course yeah happy to chat with you and good luck yeah thank you so year. much move to LA that's so exciting that's really
0: <laughs> thank you four days away I know it's crazy <laughs> um <laughs> yeah
3: thank you